I think everyone sort of had this at one point in their life, mm. at least. You know, you just do something that matters yeah. and you feel that way. You feel invincible. You feel empowered. You feel great. And that's what we're all striving for. Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, clinical nutritionist for BN Healthy. By the end of this episode, I'll be so keen to find out what's on your list. You'll hear throughout the episode, I'm a little bit speechless. And if you've been listening to the show long enough, you'll know it's pretty unusual. I'm sure you'll find you'll be left with the same feeling. You see, Seb Terry has made his top 100 list of things to do to make you feel happy, a global phenomenon and for good reason. Affected by the death of a close friend, Sebastian Terry had a moment of deep reflection and realised he wasn't leading a life that was true to himself. In a moment of darkness and uncertainty, he decided to pick up a pen and paper and begin to make a list of all the things he'd always wanted to do but never gotten around to. His mission? To find happiness. Dropping everything in his life to pursue each of his hundred things goals, Sebastian's journey has turned into a best-selling book, a reality TV show, and a platform that inspires people to not only start their own list, but to support others along the way. Welcome, Sebastian Terry. So, good morning, Seb. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure because your story is pretty exciting and it's pretty extraordinary as well. You've come up with this 100 things. Can you tell me a little bit more about 100 things and how that came about for you? Sure. So I have this, you know, I guess it would be called a bucket list by a lot of people, but it's a list of 100 things that I'm trying to do to be happier in life. And yeah, it came about by way of a few things. I finished high school, didn't know what to do, got told to get a degree. So I did. <laughs> and I got the degree. And I remember being feeling really underwhelmed afterwards. And I thought, why is that? So I kind of went backpacking overseas and whilst overseas, I got the news that a friend of mine had passed away. And it was, you know, a moment that, you know, many of us have experienced, someone close passing. And it made me sort of reflect on life, you know, my friend's life, first of all, Chris, and then mine. And it was a wake up call. So in a sense, and it made me realize I was very unhappy. And I decided that, you know, how do I get happier? You know, the ultimate question. Now, I decided to get a piece of paper and pen and just start writing things down that I thought would make me smile more. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of my list. And I suppose I saw it as this opportunity, a blueprint, if you will, to live better. So I just committed to it. So that was kind of the impetus. Yeah. And the word commitment comes in there as well. Tell me, was that something that you lacked in the past or was it something that you uncovered through the process? Well, I mean, I a bit of both. I had commitment. I played rugby growing up. Yeah. And although you know, I had aspirations of you know playing for Australia and I was so far off that it wasn't funny. But in the process of you know trying to be the best player I could be from a young age, I fully committed to it. So I, you know, I was always training and I was really committed and diligent and all that sort of stuff. Just not good enough. But I had <laughs> so the commitment wasn't the issue. But to be fair, yeah, that was sort of the main thing for me. And mm. so I had the commitment. But the longer version of the story is 
I created this list in Canada. I flew to Las Vegas the next day to marry a stranger in Las Vegas. It was one of the first things on my list that I did. Then I went back to Australia and I essentially forgot about my list. And for two years, I actually started a company with one of my closest friends, Dave. And it was an inflatable movie screen business. And again, I was very committed to that, but mm. I lost, I guess I just lost vision of my list. And I yeah. just conformed back to normality. So yeah, as soon as the list came about, I remember it being a really clear shift. I ended up breaking down in a taxi, as in emotionally breaking down. I started yeah. crying. It sort of came out of nowhere. And I just remember thinking, what, where has this come from? And I remembered about my list. I kind of realized after, you know, I slept on it the next morning, I woke up and thought, I'm going to have to get back to this list. Cause I mm. think that again is this is two and a half years later. That does hold the key to me being happier. So then I committed to that fully and I'm still going today. And it's been about 13 years. Amazing. And what number are you up to now? I've completed 76 things. That's impressive. And, you know, it's been amazing. It's been a crazy journey. I could never have thought the direction it went. And it's turned for me. I'm so proud of the idea that it, it's not about me anymore. There's mm. a big community of people. Absolutely. Um, we're all the same, right? We want to grow and change and transform and be the best version of ourselves. And that's uh, something which is common for everyone. And so, mm. yeah, the story now isn't about me. It's about all of us. And I love that. That's a fantastic. And those 24 other things that are coming. Tell me, what was the hardest thing that you had on the list that maybe you didn't expect it to be, you know? One of those things that you thought you'd just tick off and you went, oh, hang on a minute, this is actually something that is trickier than I expected. Well, there's probably sort of a profound answer for that. But the one that just springs to mind is <laughs> number 18, I want to get a hole-in-one, uh, <laughs> a golfing hole-in-one. And the first day I tried it, I was in France filming, I guess it was maybe six months into this. And at that point, I was asked to be part of a documentary of people chasing their goals. Yeah. A lot of random stuff's happened. So I was doing that. And they arranged a day of golf at uh, this tiny course. I can't even remember where it was in France. And they gave me 1,100 brand new golf balls. They dumped them all on the tee of this very short hole. And I remember thinking, I don't need this many. Like, surely if I hit like 50, one's going to go in the hole. And so today, 13 years on, I've actually hit over 10,000 balls. <laughs> and, I, and I haven't got that yet. So that was a hit. Wow. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be first on the list to be the hardest, would it? And what was the most thrilling? Like, what's the one that you went, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I put this on the list. This is like, it takes the cake. Uh, I've got to say most of them, everything. I mean, I love that feeling of being right in the middle of doing something that's important to you. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, whether personally, by yourself, with family, with friends, you know, at work. Yeah. With a peer or colleague or client. and. I think that is that feeling of kind of being alive, right? That's that's living a purpose-driven life. Uh, uh, yeah. Life. And so I really enjoy that feeling. And I'm, as I said, I'm fortunate to have had that with most of them. You know, there have been times when I lived on a deserted island by myself for a week. And I remember just standing, you know, on the sand. It was in the middle of the Coral Sea, yeah. two hours from New Caledonia. And I remember just looking around and just seeing this, you know, completely idyllic setting by myself. Mm. With nothing but coconuts. And I, I just remember you sort of buzzing, right? You, yeah. you know, there's, there's just nowhere else you'd rather be on the planet. And I could look at most of my items and say the same thing. I remember crashing like, the red carpet at the Cannes Film Festival because I'd always wanted to crash a carpet and getting onto the red carpet. You know, I've got the video on my website actually. And it is, the, you know, <laughs> the feeling I felt then, it is unbelievable. And for anyone listening, I think everyone sort of had this at one point in their life, mm. at least. You know, you just do something that matters yeah. and you feel that way. You feel invincible. You feel empowered. You feel 
great. And that's what we're all striving for. I think, and I don't know if I'm right here, but does it create that flow? Like when you, I feel the same about our work, to be honest, and it sounds a bit corny because here we are recording it, but I feel when I'm creating something that helps others that I'm also very passionate about, it's like, you know, you're giving but receiving at the same time. And it does create this spill on where work is not necessarily work anymore. It's just what we do when it's, you know, sometimes it's really, sometimes it's hard. Other times it's, you know, really fruitful and it, you feel like you've really achieved something. But those moments where you go, God, this, I never expected it. Like you must feel it. You've never expected it to become this whole, you know, thing where you're getting keynote speaking and, you know, writing books and doing all that sort of stuff. It's crazy where one idea can take you, I suppose, is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. I think this idea of flow is so interesting and fascinating, depending, you know, where you look at it from. I mean, I don't know what the actual definition is, but certainly Mm. if I was to try and explain what I think it is, I think it's that idea where everything sort of lines up and there's no kind of pausing or second guessing. Things just there's an opportunity here, you take it and that leads very naturally to something else. And mm. you know, serendipitously you meet somebody and that happens to lead to something else. And you know, there are many words, you know, people say, oh, it's coincidence or it's luck or it's yeah. fate. I think if you commit to something that's really important to you, that's you know, very like heart-centered in a way, I think you commit to that. The, the world opens up in a pretty incredible way as do people and events and all that sort of stuff. So I've definitely experienced yeah. that. I mean, I look back at, you know, what sort of happened so far in the first 13 years of this at least. And yeah, there's been so many bizarre things that have happened and you could very easily just look at one thing and say, God, that was incredibly lucky. Yeah. And perhaps it is, but I would argue that to your point, exactly. There's an element of flow. You know, there are so many cliche Mm. things around, you know, uh, fortune favors the brave or whatever. (laughs) I don't necessarily think it's a bravery thing at all, but if you were to step outside and you were determined to do something, no matter what, the world would line up and you would say the same thing. I think, yeah, you're right. There's some kind of thing that does help those kind of things align and come together for you. And I've seen it myself. And the only time I've really ever experienced outside of that is when I'm regularly meditating. It just creates that actual where crazy things happen that you just look at something and go, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. And then suddenly you realize it's for you in a way. And it's like you just land in the right place at the right time. And it's kind of effortless. And I think sometimes that can deter us because we're like, hang on a minute, this is a bit too good to be true. What am I going to do if this all works out? So there's, we talk a lot about it in our, you know, podcast and that sort of stuff. This, when things do start to go well, for the first time for a lot of our weight loss surgery patients, it's like, wow, what do I do with this success? So we also have to help people to deal with success for the first time in a long time outside of dealing with, you know, they're used to dealing with failure. So it's a wonderful alignment is that stepping into that new way of living your life. And I think walking into it with belief and commitment is a real sort of testament that helps to keep that flow going. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. And so you're saying it's not a bucket list. What would you call it? It doesn't need to be called anything. I I just call it my list. The only reason I sort of steer away from bucket list is because I I think that it's the things to do before you die. And and obviously, quite, you know, literally, yes, that's what we're doing here. But it also puts a lot of emphasis on death. And I don't know whether death is the thing that needs full focus. Yes, it absolutely acts as a way to make us realize that things are urgent in the sense that, hey, there's an immediacy to doing stuff because one day Mm -hmm. we won't be here. Yeah. So I get that. But also, I think as opposed to focusing on death, I would rather focus on living. It's just a hundred things less. Again, I think like we get caught up in the semantics of what things are called and what they're labeled. It doesn't mm. matter. If you have a meaningful goal, that's all that matters. And you know, whether you call it a list or a 
you know, a dream board or, you know, whatever yes. these other words are. Vision board. It's great to have, it. great to have a couple of goals. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it, is just putting them down on paper, which is where it all began for you, is taking that step and actually, you know, having a think about what makes you tick and what makes your heart sing and stepping into that and writing it down. And I think what you said is quite pertinent in that you wrote the list and then there's this kind of hiatus where life took over again, general life, and then you kind of woke up one day and went, okay, things aren't really working now I need to go back to my list. And my point is that things don't always happen in a linear fashion, do they? So it's not, you know, I've written my list and now let's go do it. I think there's it's easy for people to get deterred when they step out and take this, you know, it's not, not a risk, but it's kind of looking for a new way of being or a new way of living your life. And when it doesn't happen immediately, I think sometimes we do get deterred. But I think the key is looking at perhaps making sure that we're not in a hurry <laughs> Life's not a sprint, it's a bit of a marathon. So I do see with our, again, I'm trying to sort of relate it back to our audience where, you know, we didn't put our running shoes on one day and go for that walk. It's like, oh, that's over, you know, for failure. I I haven't done that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that, you know, the 100 things happen in this linear fashion. Do you do them all in order though? That's my question too. Is it it something that you go, well, that's, you know, 69, 70, 71? To to your point, I think as people, we generally have this idea that things need to be done very quickly and Mm. you need to be able to see the finish line. Otherwise, what's the point? And as you know, as you're talking about, you know, your patients, but, you know, more importantly, I'd say just life in general. Yeah. That's not how it works. There are performance goals and there are mastery goals. There are things like jumping out of a plane and skydiving, which you can just go and do very quickly. That's great. And then, by the way, that was on my list without any clothes. So I only say that no goal is better than the other as long as they're meaningful. It doesn't actually matter what they are. Yeah. Then you've got mastery goals, which do require long-term commitment, to use that word you mentioned at the beginning. And so, I, you know, health and fitness is obviously something that is on many people's lists, including the people who are listening because of, you know, the, the work that you guys do. Mm. It requires considering what our identity is. I actually just listened to the audiobook from James Clear. Oh, I love him. I was just about to Yeah, and so it's fresh in my head. But yeah, the idea of creating an identity around who you are or who you envisage to be. And obviously, habits, making sure that every day you're doing little bits and pieces. And so if that one day you don't go for a run, it's not a fail. It's a fail if that's continuously happening. That's correct, yeah. So yeah, of course. I mean, I'm trying to learn a classical piano song at the moment and... I can't play piano. I'm just literally learning the finger positions from a YouTube video. I've been doing it for 16 months and I can play two minutes of Claire de Lune. Impressive. Well, (laughs) yes. But in a funny way, it kind of isn't. And it is. I don't know what keys I'm pressing. I'm not learning the piano, really. It's a memory thing for me. Um, But I'm learning. And it's just, you know, it's daily contribution to the fulfillment of that habit and hopefully being able to execute on my goal. So I think that's it's really needed, yeah. And then it tells me that it's not just one goal at a time, is it? Because some of them are mastery goals that you need to work towards and others are just, I'm jumping out of the plane today. Well, that's the important of a list. You know, mm. it's crucial that we have goals that represent every aspect of our life. We found over two years of running a staff development program, which we call the Live Your List program, mm-hmm. that's The foundation to a meaningful list is actually having a thorough understanding of our core aspects as an individual or even a family or a business. And if you understand the core aspects, you can then start putting on top of that goals which support those key aspects. So we found over two years of running this corporate development, staff development program that there are 12 commonly shared spokes to your wheel of life. Imagine a wheel and then the spokes obviously give that structure. We've seen that there are 12 common spokes. So things from physical health, mental health, travel and adventure, creativity, impact, key relationships, 
love professional development career. Maybe I already mentioned that, but there are 12. You don't need to have all 12, but on average, we see people have between seven and eight. And so if you're able to identify what your spokes are, you suddenly have a wheel which represents every aspect of your life that's important. You can put a lot of energy into one spoke to improve that. And when that's looking good, you can balance the wheel by looking to another spoke and going that avenue too. So a list is really important because it allows us to live well and holistically mm. um, and it allows us to be able to focus on different things at different times. And it keeps the wheel round, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, if we end up, well, we actually get people to rate their, their spokes, right? Yeah. So say a very common one is physical health and, you know, everyone wants to be fit and healthy and all that kind of stuff. When you get people to rate them out of 10, how healthy is your, your self-identified spoke? You've identified it as important to you. How healthy is it? It was below five, yeah. mostly. Wow. So I was going to say, it's not really an activity of like judging yourself, but I suppose it is. It's good to know the reality of a situation. Mm. So, and then yeah. you've got something to work with. I think, and that's a lovely way of putting it is that in that holistic and circular kind of fashion, you were saying you've distilled your whole process down into eight steps. Can you yes. tell me a little bit more about, you know, even just surface level? Absolutely. So I mean, when I started my list, I essentially, I got the news over a phone call that I had lost a friend mm. and I began just writing down things in no order with no process. It was a shotgun approach, like, and there were all these things on this list. Retrospectively, and only years later, have I looked back and started to dissect what actually happened there. And I can see that most of my goals sit in sort of five, six, seven different spokes, mm. really, as it was, different baskets. And looking at the process of what happened and then actually turning a goal into a reality, we, Todd Duncan's my business partner. He's an educator, elite sports coach. He's great in human behavior, etc. So we've sort of put this whole process into eight steps. Step one is permission. We don't often give ourselves permission to think about ourselves. We think mm. it's very selfish. And it's not. It's crucial. And if you want to use the word selfish, that's, that's fantastic. There's a healthy version of being selfish so that you can ultimately be selfless. So there's a way that we allow people to give themselves permission to be there for themselves and think of nobody else. Even though a list, I should always say, can of course be to benefit other people as well as yourself. So permission, step two is reflection. You know, we can't change where we've come from, but it's really important to know where we've come from and how we've been acting until this point. Have we been showing up, being our best version, living a life true to ourselves? All, all these, you know, many, many questions. We then look at spokes as step three. So understanding the core fundamental areas of our life that are important to us. And then once we identify that, you can then step four, put your list together. And of course, we find that lists and goals are fantastic, but they need action to become realities, for dreams to become actual achievements and triumphs, that it needs action. Mm. And so again, it's a very simple process. If it was complicated, I could do it. But you just need to choose one item, start with one item, create an action plan based around that, pull the trigger, obviously in our process, in our course, which you know we we work with a lot of corporates and individuals. There's a whole process of how you pull the trigger, which you that know, was engages. my question. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, that there's literally, you know, getting off your ass and doing something is yeah. often one of the very important things. But, you know, using accountability as a tool for success. Research out of Harvard shows that if you have an accountability buddy, i.e., somebody who you can share a goal with, 
yeah. consistently over an amount of time, you become 95% more likely to achieve that goal, which is insane. I mean, it if is, you were, isn't it? Just for you having that accountability. It's amazing. It's just a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. you just have to be really clear. And, you know, an accountability buddy might be something different for everyone. You know, if I'm running a marathon and I say, hey, can you be my accountability, Jackie? What I want you to do is just check in on me once a week. Just simply ask me how many runs have I gone for this week? Yeah. Or it could be, hey, Jackie, I want you to run the marathon with me. You know, it's a, there's a the whole range of range. So my tip for anyone looking for an accountability buddy, be really specific about mm-hmm. what you want them to do, what role you want them to fill. Anyway, so there's a bunch of tools, a bunch of activities within step seven, which is pull the trigger. And then step eight, we call reload, which is essentially making sure that this isn't just a flash in the pan, a quick spike. It actually has a long tail to it. And you, well. uh, you know, I guess long-term ending up living your list. That's fantastic because the last two are often what's missing from this rah-rah, let's go get life and do all these things and, you know, write a list and have all sorts of goals. And the two things I have written down here was accountability, like how do we become more accountable? And you've just answered that question for me. So I've saved a few minutes there. Thank you. (laughs) And, yeah, like how do we keep it in our space so we keep it front of mind and we present with the fact that we've written a list and these are the things we'd like to tick off that list. I, for one, and it's not my thing, is I am great at writing a list. However, as you say, life gets in the way and then, you know, I find the list maybe under the desk or in the car or wherever I intended to do best with that list. How do we do that? How do we be better at keeping things in the front of our minds so that we are a bit more sort of likely to pull it all off? As part of step seven in our course, just to answer this really easily, and it sounds so silly, writing down a goal in the same research I mentioned earlier increases your chances of achieving it by 42% by simply writing a goal down. So if you're able to choose one goal, or even if you have a list of two or 10, doesn't have to be 100, you can just put it on your laptop, put it on your desk, put it on the mirror in your bathroom, put it on the back of the bathroom door, wherever, um, just to keep it front of mind. That's it. Because the more you start looking at it, the more that you naturally start aligning things in your head, even subconsciously as to how Mm. to do that. Plus, if you share that with somebody, someone sees that and they say, oh, what's that? And you say, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to go to Disneyland. They'll start thinking about it too, because we're problem-solving machines. Yes. Opportunity to help somebody or solve an equation as this really is, you know, I want to do this. How do I do it? What's the way to... People will start thinking for you as well. And Mm. when we come together, we're much more... Effective. So accountability absolutely is important. You can give yourself accountable by, you know, making sure that you look at your list and having yeah. a habit tracker. On, on our site, we have a habit tracking downloadable PDF for people to use. I mean, essentially, it's a blank calendar, but it's so powerful. And then, yeah, accountability through others, through, you know, sharing goals together. Fantastic. I'm heading to your website right away. Because it's so interested in those last two steps and I see it myself and I see it in others is we all want something different and particularly our audience, we're all changing so many things at the same time. There's a huge expectation after weight loss surgery to just flip basically all your habits, all the people you associate with, all the things you do in your spare time and turn them into something quite different, which is more fruitful and healthy, but it's not easy. And I think that's where people get frustrated is how do I do this? How do I learn this? How do I keep it in the front of my mind? And a lot of what we do at Being Healthy is all about, you know, our, our social media group and all the information that we provide each week is about helping people to immerse themselves in, you know, so it does become, like you're saying, part of the unconscious is that the more often you see it, the brain goes, oh, you want more of that. You're showing me that. 
And so quite organically, those things will start to come up for you as well. You'll find it's like that yellow Jeep syndrome, isn't it? Where you buy a yellow Jeep and you didn't think anybody had one. And then suddenly you see them all around because your attention now is on a yellow Jeep. So where you're sending your energy, of course, that's going to give it more life in your existence as well. So yeah, I'm quite motivated to sit and have a think about those last two steps myself. And I'm sure most other people are. Where do we find you? Do you have sort of a last kind of key thing that you've found has really helped you to kind of pull all these things off firstly? And then how do we get more of it? Oh, well, quickly, I'll push back on one thing you said. You said it's not easy. It is. That's the annoying thing. It is easy. And if we're not doing things, it's because of us. We're entirely, entirely accountable for what we do in our lives. You choose to get up in the morning, you choose not to. You choose to walk to get a healthy sandwich or you choose not to. Life really is that choice. So I'd say conceptually it's easy. But of course, I also get that any of us have a lot of commitments, family, Mm. work, et cetera, et cetera. So the the part that needs consideration, but it's still an easy process, is to prioritize things. There are so many things that I'd love to sort of say and share. But I would say that, I mean, this is kind of how I finish a, a keynote actually, or I have been lately at least, but... Our futures and, and the things that we achieve in life, you know, as individuals, as, as families, as businesses, et cetera, are completely determined by the goals that we set and the goals that we take action upon today. There's no other way about it. And, you know, with that in mind, it's really important for us to really press pause, take a step back and just consider what's important in my life. Is it physical health? Is it mental health? Is it all of the things I mentioned earlier? And once you've identified that, write down simply one goal for each of them that would improve that particular area or, or spoke as we discussed and then commit to it. Again, you know, if you stood on the start line, it's sometimes quite daunting because you're, you know, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You don't know what's mm-hmm. around the corner. You feel apprehensive. You're full of de- self-doubt and you know, we sweat and the heartbeat goes up. <laughs> I think don't try and change the world. You don't need to. You know, the first step has to be something that's almost failed. If you want to read 12 books a year, start with one paragraph from one book. Yeah. And that's it. Get an accountability buddy. It is incredibly, incredibly important. And, and thirdly, I think commit to, yeah, and then just commit to it to an amount of time. Whatever the goal is, you can apply those three things to any goal. Fail proof <laughs> first step accountability buddy, and then an amount of time. And if anyone really wants to play at home right now and just kickstart something in a way which will seem very, very easy, get your phone out, text the closest person to you in in your life, husband, wife, sister, friend, whoever, someone in the family, and just write with no context your biggest goal. That's it. And just send it to them and just see what happens from that conversation. And I guarantee it'll take you slightly further down that road. Unbelievable. And it it is. It's writing things down and putting them out there and taking little steps. And James Clear, I love the way he was in Atomic Habits. He talked about, you know, starting out with a plane on, you know, hitting from, say, Sydney to Melbourne. And if the plane is just a few degrees off track, it doesn't necessarily matter when they take off. But at the end of the day, when the plane has been two degrees out over, say, four or 5,000 kilometres, where do you end up in the end? So it is about having that end point quite clear in your mind as well and um, keeping that those small habits every day that help to keep your plane pointing in the right direction at the right tangent. Um, yeah, and I think he said in the same chapter maybe, he said something like meaningful change doesn't require radical change. No, I love it. I always put his book in our group because I think it's just it's small things, tiny little things, and I think he's summed it up really beautifully that it doesn't have to be grave change every single day that 
that, you know, you're walking out, you know, panicking because you just don't know what's going to happen next because you're turning things upside down. And I also encourage people not to turn things upside down because it's just not sustainable. It's like do it a little bit at a time and you'll be surprised at kind of how that funnels out into different things. But certainly keeping things front of mind and be curious is my usual advice is keep asking and keep looking for new information if you're not quite sure. We hear a lot of people who say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything. And I just, I look at the internet and I'm like, how could you not find it? It's like, whatever you want now is we're living in such an age where whatever we want to know about is right at our fingertips. And speaking about that, I've got all of your links and your website and connections to social media and your whole everything in our show notes. The show notes for our episodes are housed at www.awlspodcast.com. So you'll find Seb Terry's How to Do Everything there. And I just, yeah, I'm just, you have actually really inspired me to sort of take some really grave action as well. It's been a really exciting episode and I'm great. I'm so thankful that you took the time to spend it with us. No, of course. Thanks, Jackie, so much for having me. And, you know, if I can help you or anyone else, please get in touch. Absolutely. We know where to find you. And I watched a couple of your YouTube videos as well. So uh, there's some stacks of information on the internet as well. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks, Jackie. Pleasure chatting to you. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.